0: This is Maureen Milliken and this is Rebecca Milliken and this is Groovy Tube. Yeah, (laughs) you always go. Yeah, (laughs) I know. Well, before we get started today, we need to do a little tribute to the late great Valerie Harper. Yes, who was diagnosed several years ago with a brain tumor and didn't have long to live. It was a long time. It was was a few few years years ago, 2013. Yeah, but she managed to keep on. Yeah, and she. Was Rhoda Morgenstern. On the Mary Tyler Moore and show. And on her own spinoff show. And which I loved. Which I loved. But I, I have to say, on, on the Mary Tyler Moore show, she was classic. Yes. And a beautiful woman. They dressed her at least the first season or two in really frumpy, oversized yes. clothes to make her... Quote unquote, was, less attractive. Yes, she was supposed to be the friend. I guess Mary had to have an uglier friend. As you they can't all have. Do. Yeah, you can't have a friend that's as good looking. as Right. Like you. I feel Valerie Harper really made that character yes. her own. Over the years. It was a very... And was. she was a much more nuanced character. Yes. Although many things about that show. We'll have to do that show for one of our seasons. I love that show. Me too. And Phyllis, I loved her too. Yeah. It was so funny. I can watch it now. And even though I've seen episodes over and over over again, I still laugh. Much like with the Brady Bunch. Much like... Segue. But yes. So rest in peace, Valerie. Yes. We loved you. Yes, we did. Now she she's with Mary in the sky. <laughs> yeah, right. Over the Rainbow Bridge. But today, we have the final three episodes of Season 4. Of the, uh, Yes. And so we're talking about... Episode 21, You're Never Too Old. When Grandma Hutchins comes to visit, the Brady kids decide to keep her around by matching up with Grandpa Brady. That's actually not... Yeah, and they don't thing. manage to keep her around. They think she needs a man in her life. Yes. Episode 22, You Can't Win Them All. Cindy and Bobby take a test to compete on a TV show. That's all we probably need yeah, to tell. The synopsis sucks. Um, a room at the top. Trouble arises. Classic. Yes, trouble arises when Greg and Marsha both decide to use the attic as their own private room. hmm Should we get started? <laughs> yes. Oh, before we we do that, last episode we discussed the Peter Brady You Can't Succeed in Business episode. And I said I had read something about the outdoor Bike scene. Yes, and would look it up, and I couldn't find it, but I did find, and that may have been part of it. I mentioned Robert Reed had directed it. Yes, and this was actually his second directorial um, attempt. Attempt, and according to Lloyd Schwartz, which if you remember from our episodes of a long time ago, you know Lloyd hates Bob Reed and takes every effort he can to bash him, and I realized that Robert Reed was probably difficult to deal with, and as we've talked before, I am Robert Reed. I like Robert Reed. In many ways. I'm not a gay man, but in other ways you are. Like, And so, one thing Lloyd points out, and I think that outdoor scene had something to do with this, there were a lot of outdoor scenes in that, but Robert Reed quickly got behind on directing the episode. And, according to Lloyd Schwartz, he and Alan Rudolph, who... they they both hated Robert Reed because Robert Reed was mean to their dads. Oscar Rudolph was another director of many episodes. Had to bail Robert Reed out. And Robert Reed was grateful. But I think what I remember reading about the outdoor bike scene is all the outdoor scenes are part of what set them behind. Because, for instance, filming that scene where they're all riding their bikes down the street, they had to set up the street, they had to block off the track, they had to do all this. So Robert was too ambitious. And I know I read that somewhere and couldn't find it. And... in You're Never Too Old, he also has to bash Robert Reed. It's like his, some of his talks about each episode are only so he can, but he said that the You're Never Too Old episode, they wanted to give um, Florence a chance to kind of spread her wings. They don't say they wanted to give Bob a chance to spread his wings, but he says, and they both play their, this isn't a spoiler, you'll find out in a minute, they both play their own grandparents, but... He says, Robert was a method actor. He dug in and created an entire background for his character and played him with a mid-European accent of some kind. I'm sure it was thoroughly accurate. He even saw to it that the character was as genetically humorless as was his grandson, Mike. So he always has to get a little dig in there. Now, I'll say about Robert Reed, I think that uh, he he was a perfectionist. He may have been on the spectrum, for all we know. I don't I don't know. He seemed to take things very seriously, but also to a, almost too much of a, uh, I don't know. But probably when he was directing, he he, He wanted things to be just so. And and you can't always do that. And even not being on the spectrum, but there are a lot of people who are just very detail-oriented and who want things to be right and have a kind of focus on Mm -hmm. what they want to be right. And other people... Often, don't get that. But I also feel like he didn't, he may have not disliked the Schwartzes, even though they didn't like him. It's just that he was a pain in the butt to them because he wanted things a certain way and was always questioning stuff. And that was probably just his nature. I don't think he could really help it. For all the bashing they do of him, as I, I've said many times, you can't, you couldn't tell it by his performance. And you really couldn't. Right, and I think many of us have been in the position where the people who are above us on the food chain would just prefer we keep our mouths shut and not question what they're doing and not bring up issues. And I've seen many, many, many instances where people who are mediocre but keep their mouths shut are much more valued employees than people who work hard, do their jobs well, like Robert Reed does, but have questions and want things done a different way or a certain way because they think it'll be better, and they're very focused on the final product, and you end up suffering for it. No good ever comes of it. That's right. Okay, are we ready? Yes. Okay, so in the opening credits of You're Never Too Old, they show... This is, seems to be a new thing—a little, little uh, cameo pictures of, of Florence Henderson and Robert Reed as old people, and it tells us that they are going to be playing grandma and grandpa. And I think grandma they Hutchins do that. And grandpa I Brady. think they do that so we won't be confused. Yeah. <laughs> but I notice in later when they have special guest stars and later ones, they show. Oh really? I didn't notice that. Well, I accidentally watched some. Oh okay. First. First scene is Alice is straightening the living room, and she keeps straightening and straightening. Yes, and I'm like, oh, Alice Alice is cleaning. Good, she's finally cleaning up after them for a change. That's sarcasm. Yeah. Marsha and Jan come in, and Alice tells them that there's a surprise visitor coming. It's Carol's grandmother from Kentucky. They're excited. Mike and Carol have gone to pick her up at the airport, so it couldn't be a su- exactly a surprise. But And Alice says, well, she must be old. And the girls are both like, well, she doesn't seem it. One of them says she has so much go go go, and <laughs> Alice says, well, don't be surprised if some of it might be gone gone gone. And I'm like, what? A, that's not a very nice, like, right? What the fuck, Alice? And also, but it's funny. I remember, I remember that quote from when I was a little <laughs> kid, and I liked. I always liked wordplay. And uh, so I think that... Um, like when Dad said, said about Billy waiting for G'don. Waiting for G'don, yes. Yeah, that's pretty funny. While they're talking, an old lady comes through the front door and yells at them. Well, she yells to them. She's like, ah! Uh, she hugs Jan and Marsha, and Carol introduces her grandmother, Connie Hutchins, mm-hmm. to Alice, who has never met her, of course. She's very hyper or an old lady. It bugged me when I'm a kid, when I was a kid, and it still bugs me now. Whenever on TV shows somebody plays somebody different, yes. somebody plays two characters, yes, like the camera work and stuff. Although that split screen wasn't as bad as it could have been. It wasn't, but I still maybe I, it's just because I'm aware of it. Yeah. It it's always bugged me. Like the Patty Duke show. You used to like the Patty yeah. Duke show, though. But they're cousins. No one okay. wants to hear you say. I know no one. Uh, knows. Mike and Carol tell say they're sorry that they already have plans for the night, the evening. Which because I'm like, it is a surprise visit, so they yeah. They I'm like, when she was you you surprise people who live in LA when you live in Kentucky with a drop in visit. She called from the airport and they went to pick her up. Right, so. and I'm like, right. Well, whatever. But she's impetuous. She's a... She's right, that's true. Grandma says no problem. And then she takes off with the two girls. And Mike says to Carol, gee, why didn't you ever remarry? And, I, and I'm like, because as grandma said, our grandma used to say, I don't want to take care of some sick old man the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because she, she got many, many marriage proposals apparently. Nana or grandma? Grandma, not Nana. God, you'd think with those 14 kids, people would have Yeah, but they off. were all... That's kid, true. Adults. Yeah. Carol says a good man is hard to find, and Mike's like, oh, no. Carol said at that age a good man is hard to find, Mike said at at any age. age. And Marcia and Jan are on the stairs where people always are eavesdropping. Yes, and And you here think people would see them. And Marcia says, oh, I know where, I'm sorry, before I said that, Connie left with the girls. Alice took Connie to where she was staying. She didn't say where she was sleeping. She's like, let me take you to where you're sleeping. And I'm like, yeah, where is she? And the only sleeping? thing I could think of was in Mike's den. Maybe. Yeah, but Alice takes her towards the kitchen. Maybe she's sleeping in Alice's room. Then maybe yeah, Alice sleeping in Tiger's house. That could be. So they overhear, Marcia and Jan over here, and Marcia says, she knows a good man and he's not hard to find. Dad's grandfather, great-grandpa Brady. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I'm course, like, Jan's all for it. And i I'm like this is another instance of apparently he lives nearby and they see him frequently but we've never never heard heard about him before before. and we're never going to see him again. Nope. The doorbell rings. So this is the next scene later in the day and Marcia and Jan come downstairs excitedly. It's Grandpa Grady and apparently Marcia's told him she needs a book for a research paper. Mm -hmm. So he hands her a book, some dusty tome, and she says she no longer needs it. Thanks, Grandpa. But she and Jan tell him they have someone they want him to meet. She's so with it and far out, mm-hmm. which he does not like. Alice comes in and says hi, Judge Brady, and he tells her a joke about Seneca and Pliny the Elder. Yes, and in he's, Latin, and then and he Alice says laughs. something in Latin, which we don't. And I tried to look it up and couldn't find it. I tried to look up it later, or but I want to. I, I, I want to say two things. First of all, it's typical Brady Bunch writer fashion that to show that somebody's stuffy out of it and a pain in the ass they're well-educated no Latin. second of all in my second book no news is bad news i too quote you have a lot money the elder fortune never mind don't bring it up if you can't fucking tell your own quote of your fortune shines on those who are bold Yes. And I actually had a conversation with our brother Jimmy, who teaches Latin about the how to best Is use he stuffy? It. No, he is not, actually. He's a fun fella. So the boys are out in the yard playing basketball and Cindy's watching and grandma Hutchins is reffing them. Mhm. And grandma takes over for Bobby. And so this is how Jerry West does it. Now, I want to give you some trivia about Jerry West. You can't tell me anything about Jerry West I don't already know, but try. He played for the Lakers in 1960 to 74, and his form is on the logo of the NBA. I knew that. But even though the person or the whoever designed the logo is trying to say that isn't him. He was a legendary Hall of Fame basketball player. He's only six foot two though. He was short for a basketball player. So I guess I couldn't tell you anything. But I wasn't uh, the, actually telling you, I was telling our listeners. The height of my sports knowledge spans from the early seventies to like <laughs> So we're perfect the, for the nineties. Yeah. After I was a sports editor and stopped being one in two thousand one, I just like erased all sports knowledge from my mind. mind so so she's playing basketball with the boys and play slowly and they could have Fucking killed her if they oh, wanted to. Please, I'm just saying. And the girls bring Grandpa out, and he looks intrigued. Yeah, which I found inconsistent. He's like sizing her up like a prize calf. Yeah, but then once she starts, talking. oh, once, right, once her pie hole starts moving, that's where the problem was. That's right. So, so then we're to a new scene. Alice is seating the two old people at the patio table, and she says she's going to make them some lemonade. And uh, Gram- Grandma Hutchins says. I'm just gonna call her grandma. She's like, I've never met a judge before and I'm like, Really? You're like a hundred years old? I know. And uh, she jokes around about well, you know, what do you wear under your robes? And, and I have to say that intrigued me as a child too. And like almost every time I see a judge on T V and stuff, I think of that. I realize. So even though I this is like one of my favorite Brady episodes, it did have some kind of profound impact. And on he, it. he got he has a stick of his ass about he it. He does. Martian Jam bring out the lemonade. Did uh, you notice the liquid isn't moving? No, I did not. I did yeah. not notice yeah. that. Grandma and Grandpa aren't exactly hitting it off. No, they don't look too pleased. Um, but Martian Jen don't seem to notice because they're idiots. And then the three girls come into the kitchen. This is a later scene. Alice is in the kitchen. And they ask Alice, how do you feel about helping two people fall in love? And Alice is all for it if one of them is her. Mm-hmm. So where the fuck is Sam? Yeah, Sam has been a- ASAP. You mean? <laughs> <laughs> you mean A hey, wall. He was- hey, wall. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Sam hasn't been around. So the opposite of ASAP. And they say no, they're talking about grandma and grandpa. And they tell Alice that they're going to leave them alone tonight, and Alice can serve them a romantic dinner, and Alice is on board with that. See, I would have been like, what makes you, but Alice doesn't yeah. give a shit. Yeah, I don't understand why people want to fix people up. Because no, no, no. they're controlled for it. doesn't it. work out on TV. It doesn't work out in real life. Why presume that this person needs to be hooked up? Unless, somebody- if, unless someone says, do you know anybody? Right, exactly. Do you know anyone that would be good for me? Yes. If someone's um, you know, if somebody's open to it, but don't try to like manipulate, things. right? Because so it leads to no good. Now we see Grandma and Grandpa on the couch drinking wine, mm-hmm. and he's making a toast, and she just gulps, gulps hers down, and he's she's like, chugging Yeah. Them, he takes his time, um, and then she's like, "Can you hit me again?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then the boys come down, and uh, they've got to go. Greg's like, "I've got a heavy date." Hmm. And uh, Peter and Bobby are going to Willie's house to help to cheer him up because he's mm. sprained his ankle or yeah. something. Then the girls come down. Their dance teacher is appearing in recital, and they're going mm-hmm. to that. Grandma, as she makes a joke that Grandpa doesn't get. I, didn't, I don't remember what the joke was. Something stupid. Now they're sitting at the dining room table. Grandpa's like, I don't really like the fact that it's so dim in here. How am I supposed to eat? Mm. And then Alice, she's serving them their dinner. Grandpa also is like, "What's with this music?" Yeah, and Grandma's like, "It turns me like yeah. <laughs> yeah. on. It's like classical music. It was like classical music." Yeah, she's really coming on strong. She's trying to get him to dance. I yeah. don't think she's doing it. She wants to have fun. She just wants to have yeah. fun. Yeah. He accuses her of trying to set the whole thing up, mm-hmm. and she's like, "What <laughs> How are you talking about?" <laughs> right. And Alice comes in with some flaming. Di- it was Crepe Suzette's but right. flaming. Oh, just as Grandpa is like, your romantic fantasies will not come true, <laughs> and she's like, romantic fantasies. <laughs> she's like, who'd want an old goat like you? <laughs> And he says, well, you're no spring chicken. And I clearly remember that, the old goat spring chicken <laughs> thing. Too, from and Charlie. then she's like, uh, Grandma takes his hat and like shoves it into his stomach. He's like, yeah. he forgot your hat. And Alice is just shrugging. She doesn't know what to do. Yeah. And that's part of the issue, folks. Don't start something well, if it goes sideways. It right. doesn't mean they're going to get along. Right. They're totally different people. Oh yeah. The next morning, uh, Marcia and Craig are in the kitchen, and they're like, where's Grandma? And uh, Alice says, well, Grandma went off on a jog. And Marcia wants to know how the date went. And Alice says, it was dis- disasterful. Yeah. Cause she's like, was it wonderful? Or was it?" I can't remember. Yeah. And Marcia says, well, we've got to do something. And Greg says, I told you not to meddle. Yeah, he's right. I know. Mhm. In the backyard we see grandma jogging in, she's wearing sweats and then she comes in and says something like she she indicates that she runs a mile every day. Which isn't really No, it's nice. you're not gonna get much of work. Yeah, but she's like ninety five. Yeah. So Greg and Marcia say good morning to her. They're asking her about the argument uh that she had. I think Marcia says, Don't you think you should apologize or something and grandma's like Pew. i wouldn't speak to that man again if he was the only one on earth left with the key to the wine cellar." So, yeah like, <laughs> i kind of liked yeah i liked that too marcia says it was just a misunderstanding and grandma says why would she want to trap him and then she's like, "He's calling me old. His wrinkles have wrinkles." I remember that. And too, then she gets her. mad again. She's like, "Oh, I'm getting this. Is just talking about this is pissing me off." She gets up and runs out. Yeah, she grabs a piece of fruit to but eat. She, while why she did she jogging? still have the fruit when she came back? She gave the fruit with, to Greg that she had. She had like an orange. And Ma- Greg's like, "You're not going to get anywhere with Grandma." She obviously doesn't want to talk to him again. Yeah. And Marcia's like, "Oh, well then I'm going to try to talk to Grandpa." And Greg's like, "Why don't you just leave them alone?" Yeah. And Marcia's like. Well, then they'll never get together and fall in love. Yeah. And Alice says, love, you'd be, you'd be smart to settle for mutual indifference. Yes. So the next scene is Jan and Marsha, they're in Grandpa's office. Or he probably has an office in this house. He's, yes. He's a retired judge. Mm-hmm. Remember that judge that lived across the street from us? We went to their house for dinner. Betty Barron's father? No. He was a, in Augusta? And he, he was a, and related to Benny Barron. She lived down the street. Judge Williams, was that his in name? In Augusta? Yeah, he lived across the street. In that White House? Yeah. On the corner of Chapel and Green Street? Yes. No. Oh, you never went to his house? I, if yeah. I did, I don't remember it. He had tons of I'm glad and he wasn't murdered because books. I would not be a good witness at his trial Jesus. because he had tons and tons and tons of books. That's Judge Williams. Know. Williamson or Williams? Or oh, I'll have to look him up. Jan and Marsha are, so when they're in his office, they swear Grandma didn't set it up. And he says he believes them. And then they say, then call her and apologize. And he's like, no, she called me an old goat. And 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 Marsha's like, it's just a figure of speech. And he's like, "And of smell. uh, No, but I have to agree with him on that. Who wants to be insulted? You know, even though he did falsely accuse her of setting things up you know she's the one who started but the then of. he says he knows she sent them so he obviously doesn't believe yeah it. so he's not getting it yeah and then he's like but you can tell her re so oh, right yeah he says, says no as sub jude i i don't know it's right. a latin thing which i tried looking up and i couldn't find a translation but then he slams his gavel and says the case is thrown out of court so i think that so i think that's what he what was saying said. yeah Jimmy would know. And as you know, Robert Reed, the Latin would be accurate. I'm sure. We're in the family room now. All the kids except Bob. The two boys are playing cards and the girls are just standing by the table. And Greg says, we told you to butt out. Marsha's like, well, we were trying to do something nice. And Greg says, well, if you ever want to do something nice for me, give me a warning so I can get out of town. And Jan says, boys are no help. And Cindy says, Well, Bobby's at the park with grandpa and Marsha tells Cindy to go to the park with grandma. And and once again this is like so Bobby's at the park with grandpa, this person we've never seen yes. before, but apparently they who's Bobby they all, hang all the hanging. time. And also Marsha is wearing very, very tight Powder blue pants. Yeah, she has like a powder blue outfit on. We're at the park with Bobby and Grandpa, and it is an outdoor scene. It's mm-hmm. actually outdoor. And it's the same park bench, I don't know if you noticed, well, that Peter was <laughs> on. The pigeons. Yeah. No, it, it, it's, it's the same It's the same set. And Bobby has some plane that's like on a, a string yeah. type of thing that's going around. He's trying to land it, and he crashes it. Grandma and Cindy are coming down the path, and Cindy says, oh, look, it's Grandpa. Uh, and then Cindy tries to, to get Bobby to go with her, and he's not understanding. He's not getting it. So she just grabs him and strong arms him. Yeah. <laughs> Grandpa says, uh, the bench is all yours. He stands up to leave. He starts to walk away. And Grandma laughs. And he apologizes. He does apologize to her for jumping to a conclusion that she was trying to trap him. And she apologizes for calling him an old goat. And then he's going to leave, but she asks him to sit, and they sit together, and Cindy says, it's working! Her we, and Bobby are hiding behind a bush. Right, but aside from that, it's kind of a sweet scene between Their them. Their acting is very good. Yes. You forgot for almost a split second that it's Florence Henderson and Armory playing older no. versions of themselves. It is. I, I actually did. She calls him Hank, and they start laughing. He tells her he once wore his pajamas under his robe all day. So he kind of concedes a little They laugh, there. and he asks her out while Bobby and Cindy spy on them, which is kind of gross. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of spying in this episode. Now it's nighttime. Uh, Mike and Carol are sleeping in their bed. Carol hears a noise. She wakes up, and she's like, Mike, do you hear a noise? And he's like, no, I'm trying to sleep. And my thing is, there are eight people, nine people in that house, I know. if you don't count Grandma. There's no fucking noises in I the know. night. And they hear it again. So Mike says, (laughs) Mike's like, I'll go check. And Carol's like, I'll go with you. And then he says, You can go first. (laughs) (laughs) And then they put their robes on. Yes. Why is it (laughs) always with the robes? (laughs) I know. It's like, really? Yeah. I don't know. So they're at the top of the stairs looking down and they see Grandma leaving with two suitcases and they're like, what the hell is she doing? And they're doing? stage whispering about it and maybe she's deaf as opposed. deaf, But like, she can't fucking hear <laughs> them. So they walk down the stairs and they turn the lights on and they're like, why, why are you leaving? Is it because of something the judge said? She says, yes, as a matter of fact, it is. He said, let's get hitched. Mm-hmm. And then Grandpa comes in, uh, the front door. And she tells Mike and Carol that they're eloping to Las Vegas. And Mike and Carol are happy, but they're like, can't you wait so we can throw you a wedding? And uh, Grandma says, no, at our age, every second counts. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for some reason, the judge wants to keep on the down low. Yeah, which I think is kind of creepy. And then... And then but, Alice is standing in the kitchen door is like, oh, I won't tell anyone. And then we look up oh, and the all kids the kids are on the stairs. With their robes with on. With their robes on. <laughs> Over their pajamas. And they won't tell They're anyone either. either. And there's no tag. Right. I noticed that. And I thought it, it was kind of a creepy ending. It's not one of my favorite episodes anyway. But. No. It, you could have done, it is with many of their episodes, kind of the same thing only with a different outcome. I just thought the outcome was stupid. Right. like I think they should have taught them a lesson about fucking meddling in people's lives. That grandma and grandpa could have been friends, but obviously are different people with different types of lives, and the kids could have learned a lesson about you can't force people together when yes. the only thing they have in common is that they're both a fucking hundred years old <laughs> or whatever. And I think any anybody who marries somebody for only knowing them a couple days is yeah, but whatever if you're a hundred fucking years years old, Yeah, what doesn't matter. They can't even hear each other probably. Look at mom and dad. Ugh. And did you want to talk anything about Yeah, that? I do yes. I wanna mention this was written by a woman, Lois Hines and it I was wasn't able... It had some good lines, though. Right. And I didn't have time to look it up, but I believe this is one of the first, if not the first, script that had written by a woman. And I actually had some high hopes. I thought that was... But I can't... I Maybe. Know. Or if it's not the first, it's one of the first. And I had some high hopes at the beginning, but it they devolve when things take a turn that is They always untappy. seem to have the same kind of formula that they have to and have. And... When you look at the all the literature, there is not a lot. It's weird; like nobody mentions this episode. There's a lot about this episode. So, but I do want to say this revolves around a school quiz show, and I was on high school quiz yeah, here in Maine, which they are reviving. Yes, was. But there's a little anecdote. Our older did sister you Liz. No, I didn't. I don't remember much about the show, but our older sister Liz was on it here before. We did have to take a test. It was like a current events and stuff test, a written one that I got 100 on. I'm not bragging. It couldn't have been that hard okay, test. Bobby. Anyway, yes. <laughs> you A you can't study for those shows, but B when Liz was on, they lost. So the host gives them an envelope and says, "Here's something for your scholarship fund for your high school's, you know, for the losers." And I think it was he opens the envelope and looks in, and it was empty. And you could see on the show him kind of look in and then look. And Liz said to me after, the envelope was empty. So he goes, here's something for your scholarship fund, but there's nothing in it. The school got nothing. Weird. So it implies to viewers that you're getting something, Yes. but you're not really getting anything. And so the next year when I was on and we lost, I said, like, before This is one of the few things about the show I remember. Before the break, I said to our captain, I said, they're going to give us an envelope and it's going to be empty. And sure enough, These. it was. That's so weird. Yeah, isn't that weird? And nowadays, I would have been more like something about it. So The only thing I remember about that is trying to get home... In the It was on in the afternoon and trying to get home from school when it aired to watch it and not enjoying watching it. But I don't remember the actual thing except for we did lose. <laughs> so that's my story. Okay. I have some, when the actual show is on, I have some yes. problems okay. with it. Yeah, I have many problems. The first scene is one that the same type of scene we see many times that sets the mood of the child. Cindy's coming home from school, and she's obviously happy because she's skipping. And what is in the backyard? She skips around the doghouse. Tigger's doghouse, making another appearance. I don't weirdly. know. Weirdly. Alice and Carol are in the kitchen unloading groceries, and Cindy runs in and tells them she's been chosen out of all the kids in her class to be on Question the Kids, a TV show. And then Carol's like, oh, you're going to be on TV. And Cindy's like, well, I may not actually be on TV. I have to take a test to determine. And then Carol's like, well, still. And I find Cindy's explanation a little confusing. Like, they have tests for the kids in each class, blah, 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 and it's not, I think they picked certain kids to take the test. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's a little confusing. I know. Well, everything is. Then Bobby comes in and says, big deal. I got picked two for my grade. So now we know they're in two different grades. Right. But when they were younger, it was not clear that they were in two right. different grades. Right. But who the hell knows anymore. And Bobby says a lot of kids were picked to take the test, but only four get to be on TV. And Cindy says they'll have to study real hard. And Bobby says it'll be a cinch for me anyway. And, I, and I'm and i like, you can tell this was written by a woman because there is male entitlement. But yeah. also it sets up that you know damn well that Cindy's going to study and Bobby's not. Tortoise and, and hair. guess what's going to happen. Yeah, tortoise yeah. and hair. Yeah. And is this where he says he's smarter than Cindy, or is that later? Because I didn't write that down. Um, He does say it at when. some point, but yeah. I don't know when. So we know where this is going. Yeah. Carol and Alice laugh at Bobby's overconfidence. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, they're they a little shit. Mm-hmm. But now we're in the yard, and Bobby is trying to build a teepee. Yeah. But like He's got, like, a kit. Cindy comes up and suggests that they study together, and Bobby's like, I'm too busy. And then we're in the girls' room and Cindy's studying on the bed, and Marcia and Jan come in, and Jan's like, oh, my hair's awful, I have to wash it. And then Marcia says she's got to study for her French test, but Cindy apparently doesn't hear them, because then she asks them for help, and they're both like, no, I've got stuff to do. But then she, um, she manipulates tells them, them about the test. Well, and she TV. goes, oh, then I guess I'm never going to be on TV. And then they agree. Right. But, like, this looks. this seems to me like it's the next day, so why wouldn't they have known about this whole TV thing? That was confusing. She has an outfit on. Right. It wasn't clear to me the timeline. Confused me. <laughs> and bothered it was me. new. And so in the yard, Bobby is still wrestling with his teepee. And Greg and Peter come up and ask, uh, shouldn't you be studying? And we have some of our typical Brady Bunch. Oh yeah, Go yes on. I'll do it. And Bobby's like, "What for?" Okay. Bobby says he'll he'll know it all. And they offered to help him with the TP, but he says he doesn't need help. And yes, Greg calls him Big Chief Know It All. Just that typical kind of casual Indian bashing. They're always. I know, and always. I guess in the '70s it was just okay. People weren't cognizant of demeaning people. Yeah, but they did. They didn't really do it for any other for any I mean, uh, yeah green, they didn't make fun well, kind of black people well, not in one of them because no. well i think it's because um indians are one of those groups that it's just okay to so apparently it on. And, and also did you notice greg His flower shirt yes he was wearing the red one earlier and then the blue one he later likes the flower shirt yeah. and bobby has a headband on like, yes because he wants to be an Indian. Right. Then, Although, I, okay. I maybe he wants to be an Indian, but I'm sure he doesn't want his culture taken away mm-hmm. and not be able to get a job and not be able to start a business because of the federal laws that don't let you do that and that type of thing. Yeah. Okay. Greg and Peter go over to the driveway to play basketball. And the next scene's indoors. Carol's on the phone inviting someone to a cookout that's going to be on Saturday the 3rd. So we know because she's saying the date that this will be an yes. issue. Yes. Um, we know so well. Back outside, the older boys are playing basketball still. Bobby's finished with his teepee, and there's this stupid music in the background, like a the Indian Indian-ish music, music. Um, and the teepee collapses on him. And Greg laughs and says, look like heap big mistake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we have a close-up of Mike scraping the grill. He's calling it a barb. <laughs> Alice is wiping the brick somehow. And, okay, I don't get First of all, they live in California. So they can grill all year round. And I know, like, grilling is a bigger thing now than it was in the 70s. But you have this giant built-in barbecue grill and you never use it because it seems like it's going to be this big event that they're actually using it. Uh, who knows? I'm just saying. Um... Carol comes out and says, the, the Clarks and the Bernsteins say the third is just great. And then Mike tells her, Well, I had to invite a couple other people because they heard about it. And, and I want to point out that's a little in joke because she was married to Ira Bernstein or Bernstein. I can't remember. So it's like a little joke that they put that name in there. Yes. Every time they use names, I think they're. About- yeah, me too. Then Carol's like steaks for fourteen people and then Alice suggests Mexican food would be a lot less money and they could feed more But I thought the whole point was they were gonna have a barbecue. Uh, Mike well, Mike's annoyed because he spent all afternoon cleaning the barbecue as he keeps calling it, which I call it a grill. Yes. But But I think back then people did call it a barbecue. And I think Mike's kind of funny in all this. Like, he's kind of t- complaining yeah. to himself, and he's being ignored. Yeah, kind of. The next thing's the boys' room. Greg is asking Cindy super easy questions, like... Four score and seven, seven years, years ago. ago. Yeah. Peter is helping, too, but they also have stupid trick questions that are, like, riddles. And right. Like, questions. I, and I think that point is to show how clever Cindy actually is or something. And yet, she acts fucking And stupid. yet, she's acting like she's five years old. And if I think Susan Olsen and I were born in the same year, but I can remember watching that show and thinking of her as a little kid yeah. when she and I were actually the same age. Interesting. Yeah, well, it just, a I think it just thing. shows that they're making her act yes, so they much younger. We're in the kitchen now. Alice and Carol are now discussing the smorgasbord mm-hmm. of the 10th. Instead of Mexican on the 3rd. Mike is confused. I don't know, something happened with all the guests, people visiting and stuff. So they couldn't come, so Carol changed the date. And then for some reason, why they have to change from Mexican to a smorgasbord? Because, first of all, it's annoying that they're buying the food so early because it's going to go bad. Even though I know it's the 70s and everybody's processed food. But the reason they have to have a smorgasbord is... Is because then they can have the food out buffet style oh, and don't have to, Alice won't have to serve. In fact, I think Carol even points out yes. you can't serve that many people. Yes, because she's a servant. Cindy and Bobby come in. Mike says it's test day, and Bobby says he's got it down cold, and Cindy says she'll try her best. Mm-hmm. And Mike is still confused about the party. And It's yes. just like I don't know what the fuck's going right. on. Right. So then this must be later in the day. So, Alice and uh, Carol are in the family room looking at recipes for smorgasbord and joking about the recipe names. Scandinavian. Yeah, that they sound kind of... um, And I'm like, you can have a smorgasbord without having to have, like, like, traditional real Scandinavian. What are you going to have, like... Dried herring and yeah. Apparently crab. they have, they mentioned that later. Yeah. Alice says she has a magazine in her room that has more recipes, which I don't know why they need even more because it looks like they have about twenty magazines. So she gets up to go in her room. And at one point she had said to Carol, "If you can pronounce it, I can make it." Yeah. So Alice is on board with it. Alice doesn't give a shit. No. She's paid by the hour. <laughs> Cindy runs in. And tells Carol, she's going to be on TV. And Carol says, well, what about Bobby? And Cindy's like, fuck him. I didn't want to wait to find out about him. She yeah. doesn't actually say fuck him. No, she but says... she's like, I was so excited. I didn't wait to find out. Yeah. And Carol says, well, go tell Alice. And then Bobby comes in, and he's he doesn't seem sad, but he's just He's like, a little downcast. Carol's like, well, how did you do? And he said... He wiped out. It was tough. And then Carol cannot resist, mm-hmm. cannot resist sticking it to him. She has yeah. to chide him for not studying, and there's sad theme music and Yeah. Bobby walks through the yeah. kitchen. Bobby's aware of... The... Yeah, she doesn't need to tell him. Right. You know, she's like, well, you could have studied that. And he did, but he did have to keep saying it was a tough test, and a lot of the guys didn't do well. Yeah, and Carol's yeah. like, Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Cindy comes out of Alice's room and she's like, Bobby, are you going to be on TV with me? And Bobby's like, No, it was a tough test. Cindy's like, Well, it was easy for her. And she's like, I guess I'm just smarter than you. Because he Mm -hmm. said something about, I think it was when she said she would have to study really hard. He's like, I will, because I guess I'm just smarter. Right. Mike drives the convertible into the driveway. And this is the last appearance of, I think it's a Chevy Bel Air, but that blue convertible Mike has been driving since the beginning of the series. Yeah. This is well, the last ever appearance of it. He gets out of his car and he sees the teepee with Bobby's feet sticking out. And, of course, there's that drumbeat music again. And the Indian War music. Yes. He hits Bobby's feet and says, how? Yeah. And then he says, he's heard of the Blackfoot tribe, but not the Sneakerfoot yeah. tribe. Yeah, because it's just Bobby's feet sticking out. Then he's like, you did a nice job on the teepee. And Bobby says, better than on the test. And Mike says, Well, if you never make a mistake, you never learn anything. Mm hmm. Chief. He calls yeah. him Chief. Nice platitude for Mike. Well, you yeah. know, he's right. Um, And then he says, How? Again, mm-hmm. and makes Bobby say how to him. Right. So I guess Indian culture, tribal, native culture wasn't part of the study. Not that Bobby studied, <laughs> anyway. But. Then he goes in the house. Cindy comes in the yard, and Bobby invites her to play in the teepee, which it's pretty fucking small, so I don't know how she's going to mm-hmm. play in it. Cindy says, don't be silly. So we know... And I from past experience mm, she always acts like And I have to say I'm a little disappointed in Cindy's change in attitude. I might get dirty. And Bobby's like, so and she's like Television stars don't play in teepee's and they don't get dirty and then she stalks off. And and I think we know fucking give me a break. From this second, I think we know Cindy's gonna have to learn a lesson about she's getting big for her her she does every time. Mm Mm-hmm. They all do. Yes. Yeah. In the kitchen, Alice is mixing chocolate batter. Yum. Mm-hmm. It must be brownie batter because she's mixing it by hand. She asked Cindy if she wants to lick the bowl. Mm-hmm. Cindy's like, no, it's not ladylike. And Alice is like, whatever. Yeah. And then Cindy asks what's for dinner. And Alice says, Swiss steak and spaghetti. And I was like, mm, yeah, I know good. vegetables with that, Alice. Mm-hmm. Oh. You don't need veggies. Cindy tells Alice she won't eat it because it's rich and fattening. And Alice is like, so? Yeah. That's what makes it so good. (laughs) All the good stuff is, Cindy says she wants a salad, and Alice is like, why? Well, Cindy kind of orders her, just fix me a salad. Yeah, but that's Alice's job. Yeah, if I were uh, Alice, I'd say what our mom always used to say. I'm not a short order cook. But it is her fucking job. She's not a short order cook. Yeah, but she's fucking supposed to make their meals. Why do you, you're always saying, oh, Yeah, uh, but not a different meal for every person.
1: I don't, I don't know, know she whatever, gets okay pay. I'm just uh, saying
0: mm-hmm. And Cindy's like, a star can't go on TV All fat and broken out And Alice just laughs yeah. she fixes, yeah. She's, it, she's it. not going to make her any fucking sales. She's salad. used to the kids acting like yeah. fucking weirdos Boys room, Greg is on the bed Peter comes in and says, Cindy's at it again And they show her through the uh, Bathroom door, door, which is open She's doing, fixing her hair Greg mimics <laughs> Cindy saying, a TV star's hair Needs to look just right and Greg says she's tried everything but an afro mm-hmm. for her hairstyle. And Peter says, well, she'll probably end up bald because she keeps playing with her hair. And so Cindy goes into the girls' room, and Jan and Marcia are reading on the bed. And Cindy asks them if she should get her ears pierced. And Marcia says the last thing she needs is two more holes in her. <laughs> and then she takes a bunch of dresses out of the closet, and they're like, really? You've tried those on, like, a million times. And she's like, well, I want to see if they're looking with my hair. And Jan tells her she's being a drag. Marcia says she's acting like it's a beauty contest instead of a brain quiz. And Cindy says, name one star who doesn't worry about how she looks. And Jan says, lassie. But I have to say, Cindy is right about that. And that's another place where you can see kind of the subtle touch of a woman. Because instead of it being some kind of sexist thing about looks, it's the reality of, you know, being a woman in Hollywood. That's right. Mm-hmm. Cindy says, arf, arf, and then the two Yeah, which girl's is kind late. of cute, the way she does that. In the kitchen, Mike and Carol are bringing a bunch of groceries, and Mike says they had six carts worth of groceries. And again, why are they buying the food? <laughs> Especially a smorgasbord. They're going to have meat and stuff. They're buying it. I know. I don't know. I don't. I know. Carol says they'll have enough food for everybody, and Alice says, oh, the school called to give the show date. And, you and know. she says, here's a hint. We're going to be eating this stuff a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And that was no surprise. And Mike has a diatribe, and Carol's basically like, get over yeah, it. Yeah, and she claps. But I, I think guess. it would have been awesome if she had slowed. It was kind of a slow clap. clap. And, and she's like, it was wonderful a performance. Clap. She doesn't seem too bothered Night, by Mike. But I'm, I'm a little concerned about the amount of food they bought, because the, he says on his diatribe, they already bought all this Mexican food. But they've got six kids. I know, and that's my thing, but I don't understand why they're buying the food so early. It's, yeah. a, it's not real. I know, no. I know. Jan and Marsha come in, and they say, they're going to study in the family room, like, why do they have to, t- they, there's no reason to tell them. I copy the exact same except thing. Except for, because they just want to tell them. But, right, they want, they want to tell. about Cindy. Yep, to Cindy. Uh, Cindy is bugging the shit out of them. Uh, Cindy's in the bedroom and Carol comes in and Cindy says, "Marsh and Jan are just jealous and Bobby's mad because he's too dumb to win. (laughs) And Carol says, he's not dumb. He didn't study. And Cindy's like, well, that's dumb. Yeah, she's right. And Cindy says, well, he's, he's dumb and he's a bad loser. And Carol's like, Cindy's a bad winner. And also she may be a loser again someday. Mm -hmm. She should remember that. And then there's like sad news, And we're like, Cindy is heading for a fall. Cindy is undeterred, though. She mm-hmm. she she runs back and looks at herself in the mirror and starts playing with her hair again. Mm. And now it's the day of the show. We're in the girls' room, and Cindy asks Martian and Jan if, if they're sure they don't want to watch her on TV. And they're like, no, we've seen enough of you. So we TV. learn here that it's live it's live TV. Cindy says they're unlike, just jealous. Unlike high school quiz, which was taped in advance. Yes. She leaves, and Jan tells Marcia, she has a size ten body and a size twenty-four head. hmm Then the boys' room. Cindy comes in and asks Greg and Peter if they want her autograph. And Peter scoffs and Greg is sarcastic. And Cindy doesn't get that they're making fun of her, and then they laugh when she leaves. Mm -hmm. So it's like, fuck you. Mike and Carol are impatient. Where is Cindy? They're at the bottom of the stairs, all dressed up. They tell Alice to try to get the other kids to watch Cindy when she's on the show. And Alice says, Good luck, honey, to Cindy, but Cindy kind of ignores her and she's looking at herself in a compact and asks, do you think my dress will look good on color TV? She has this weird, and I notice she has the same dress in the little square. Credits. Yes, I noticed that too. It's like a purple and green mm-hmm. gingham dress. Mike and Carol grab her before she can change her dress. And once drag her now. out of the house. Now we're at the TV studio. The guy's name is Marty Marty Marshall, and he's got this like New Yorkie yeah, accent. he does. He doesn't seem much like a school. He, the, quiz host. the little kids are standing there. He's telling them, and it's a very diverse group. Of yes, children. it is. When the red light on the camera is on, they're on the air, and there's a small audience of parents sitting on folding chairs. It's not like a studio. Yes, and audience. they're the and they're the most unreactive. <laughs> it's like Easter Island there. <laughs> you know? Know? He's standing there. Now we're back in the family room and the kids come in and Alice has set up like snacks and stuff, Mm -hmm. which is nice. They tell Alice they can't wait to watch Cindy. They want to fail, right? Well, Bobby says that, but I think the other kids genuinely want to, maybe like Marcia and like we wouldn't miss it and everything. And then Bobby's like, "Yeah, we can't wait to see her fail." So I almost felt like some of the other kids were still kind of rooting for. her. Now we're back at the studio, and Cindy's at the Clinton Grammar School. Yes, and the other one is Woodside. Yes, yeah. That I thought was. I think they live on Clinton Street or yeah, something something like that. Yeah. It's like a time travel thing. Mm -hmm. Marty Marshall reminds them again that the red light goes on, that the camera's on, and as soon as the red light goes on, Cindy just... She's, like, stunned. And that's the one thing I've always I remembered was. about this show, is her staring transfixed at the red light. And the first question, of course, is the same question Greg asked about the Gettysburg Address, but Cindy is too stunned to answer. The whole format of the show is fucking weird. They like, give there's much. no buzzers or anything. They just, Thank like, you. raise their hand. No buzzers. They raise their hand. There's no, like, scoreboard no. or indication of <laughs> how... And it's like the writers or whoever... Gave absolutely no thought to how the show was like going to be portrayed. Like, the kids just raise their hand, and then the, the, he and just And he picks calls someone. on them. And then they don't confer with each other. Right. Like you, you normally right. would when you have a team. Right. And nobody gets an answer wrong. Well, no, that's true. So Woodside gets the Gettysburg Address thing. The next question Cindy's teammate gets, and Carol asks Mike, what's with Cindy? And he says she's got televisionitis. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to point out one of the questions... How is the word swiftly used in the sentence? And it's like, he ran swiftly. All you aspiring writers out there, never use the adverb swiftly with the verb ran. Also, swiftly is always an adverb, isn't it? Would it ever not be? No, an adverb? very few words that. Yeah, but maybe they're just they don't say is this an adverb or not. Uh, uh, you yes know, at home the kids are like, why isn't Cindy answering? She knows all those answers. They think she looks scared, and they're getting frustrated. Right, because they're, they're like every question. I know she knows this one. She has to know this one, and but she's it just keeps showing her staring with her huge blue eyes. At the red light. At home, they show the front door, and they're sad. The theme music's sad. Mm-hmm. They come in, and Cindy Cindy says she doesn't want to see anyone. They're just going to make fun of her. And Mike says, well, it's not going to get easier the longer you wait. And the, all the kids run in and praise her. They tell her she looked great. And Cindy's like, well, I was a dumb-dumb. And Bobby says she was a smart one. And then she kisses Bobby and she runs upstairs and Bobby's grossed up. She says, you're the best brother ever. Because he says, you know, I was a dumb one for not studying. you. Yeah, you were you're smart. And she's, you're the most terrific brother ever. It's kind of a weird and idea. And he's like, that's why, Ew. you say one nice thing to girls girl and you get all wet. And then the tag is, Carol comes into Mike's office and she says she's got it all figured out. Everyone can come on the 24th. And he's like, well, you can give me a call and tell me how it's going then because I'm going to be out of town on uh. At the convention with all the hookers, Mm -hmm. and it's like, oh no, No, that's the end. That was the end. I felt like that episode had a basic plot theme we've seen many times before, and you almost feel like they're like, okay, we haven't had one with Cindy for a while, let's give one with Cindy. But you don't feel like a lot of thought. Oh, well, was the same thing. Oh, okay. She gets on the show. Oh, she gets a big head for being on the show. Gee, like that. And hasn't, she's going to learn. We've we had that plot before, right? It's like it, Marcia when she was Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, there's so I many. Mean there's so many. Yeah, like when Peter saved the kid's life, and yeah, it's another thing where you just feel like they had to trot out a plot, and like the subplot about the the dinner, I just found annoying because mm-hmm. that was another one where you knew. What was gonna happen yeah. every time, and it just felt like it was a going through the motions. Yeah. One and it's season four, I know we say it all the time, but I really wish they let they would have let Cindy grow up a little and Susan Olsen act a little more. Even like Bobby, Mike, looking Land gets to do more. He always has well. stuff. Then Cindy's never been allowed yeah. to act her age. Yes. So season four, episode 23, it's the last show last one of the season. season. And this is another classic. Room at the top. Another classic. One thing I want to mention is it was in um, season two. I don't remember what number is. It, it was the one where Greg wanted his own room. Mm-hmm. And he he was a freshman in high school. And it's funny because the guy that plays Hank was in that right, episode, right? Right. Um, although he didn't, he didn't have a Chris name. Chris Beaumont. Yeah, he was the groovy older guy. In that episode, when they talked about the attic, Mike said, well, they're going to have to be two feet tall because it's a crawl space. Yeah, but now suddenly the attic attic is really really roomy attic. So I'm surprised Bob Reed didn't have a problem with continuity. Well, maybe he forgot. And I want to say, too, in a more general sense about this, before I realized that Lloyd Schwartz had directed this, son of creator Sherwood Schwartz, and also the associate producer, I noticed watching it, it was also this kind of undefinable thing. Everybody seemed a little looser and more natural. The dialogue seemed more natural. I even made note of it that it, people didn't seem as stiff and as like they were walking in Sander lines yes. and leaving like they do. And I, as much as I bash Lloyd Schwartz, because he's always bashing Rob, Robert Reed, I have to say that's probably due to his direction. Yes. And he gives some long explanation in the book he wrote about how... He approached it and blah, 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 and I can't remember everything, but he did it in a different enough way that the kids were afraid he hadn't prepared, and so they were ready to rescue him, but um, it all worked out. But I felt like from the beginning on this episode, not only did things happen a little differently than they had in previous episodes, but everybody from Rob Reed on down... Seemed more natural. Yes. There were some conversations that just seemed very natural yes. and loose. And it would seem more relaxed. So we open with, a, it's kind of a it's weird. View looking down on the driveway, like almost a drone shot. If they yes. had, had drones, and Greg and his friend Hank, who's in college now, we find that because they're talking as they walk in the house. But they, it was a very groovy, thing. by the way, sports car. It looked yes. like it might have been a BMW oh, I didn't convertible, closely, but it was. It was. And like a have you noticed? So it's the second episode of three where there's been somebody named Hank. Oh, I did not notice that. I'm just saying. And this guy that played Hank, also, besides being the groovy guy and uh, the hip guy in that episode where Greg was a freshman and ripped the girl's French book and stuff, he also played the guy, Eddie... That sold Greg that shitty car that yes. was falling apart. Uh, I recognize him. But mm-hmm. anyways, in, in this one, he's Hank. They come in uh, to sit down in the family room and talk about college. And Bobby comes in, and he's being extremely rude. He turns the TV he, on. Well, he, first he pushes the chair between the two of them, and then sits, like, right there and turns the TV on. And Greg's like, we're having a conversation. Bobby's like, well, you won't bother me. And I'm like, you know, they could go sit on the couches over in the other corner. Yes. Or they could go sit in the living room. Yes. But Greg says, let's go to my well, room. Well, first Greg says, go watch TV somewhere else. And I'm like, where? Well, the living room has it, a TV. Does it? it? I don't know. You know, I mean, it does, it has once or twice when it's been convenient. But I'm like, this isn't nowadays where there's a TV in every room. I know. And also, earlier, I just want to point out that Greg, they established that Hank is in college now. Greg asked him how college is and 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 he says, college is out of sight. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's out of sight. So Greg's like, let's go to my room. We'll get some privacy up there. And it's like, as if. Yeah. And besides which, like I said, they have that huge living room that no one's ever in. Right. But anyways, so they're up in the boys' room. Greg's wearing this weird red checkered shirt. Yeah. But Greg wants to know about the girls in college. Mm. And Hank says, they're a whole different animal. And I do mean animal. (laughs) And I laugh. And Greg's like, Greg says he gets the picture. Yeah, and I laugh thinking about me and my friends in college and how, like, naive and stupid we and, were and, you know, um, yeah, college but this was the like age of free love. Yeah, but I was a freshman in college in 1979. It's like oh, it, wasn't it wasn't much that much longer. longer. Peter comes in and uh, Greg says, this is a private conversation, and Peter says, about girls? And he's like, I want to listen and learn. <laughs> and Hank suggests that he and Greg go to Hank's apartment. Plenty of privacy there. Mm Woohoo! Hank tells Greg that college is great. There's no one bugging you. He's telling us as they're coming down the stairs. Mm -hmm. And he tells Greg he's looking for a roommate and someone to share expensive. And Greg's interested. And Hank's like, yeah, but will your mom and dad let you? And Greg's like, oh, I'm sure I can convince them. And he's like, I'll be going to college after, you know, one more term of school anyway. Mm -hmm. Now Carol and Alice are in the attic. Going through the stuff for the charity bazaar. And it's like, how did such a new house accumulate so much old crap? I know. And it's all carefully staged. Yeah. And... and Mike comes, there's this pair of jeans hanging there that are still hanging there throughout. But Mike comes up, um, he starts being nostalgic about all the crap up there, kind of like dad would be. Mm-hmm. And then he, and Carol's like, well, can you help us? And he's like, yeah, I'm going to go down and change change my clothes and come back. Before that, he, I just want to say, he puts on the straw hat, <laughs> does this little side yeah, hat, yeah. and he lets his gay out a little, but it's kind of cute, yeah, I, thought. I thought Carol it makes fun I of him. made fun of him, Beau. but yeah. It may be too early in the conversation to say it, but I'm going to bring it up anyway. They've lived in that house for several years now. There's three kids to a room, and it's a fairly roomy, spacious house. And aside from that one episode with Greg... A couple seasons ago, Mike's an architect. It's never occurred to anyone that maybe we shouldn't have three kids to a room. Apparently, not. I mean, like, I know when we were growing up, our house in Augusta had a lot of rooms and nooks and crannies. But in Michigan, for six months when we lived there, you, me, and Liz all shared a room. I think that's the only time that there was were true. three, right? I think that's the only time. There were three of us to no, a room. No, we always had two, two, and two. Two, but, yeah. and then well, then when we moved to Augusta, Liz and I were up on the yeah. third floor. Basically, the that have their own room, pretty right? Much. Yeah. And and there was a lot of like room moving around, yes. like downstairs. But I, I, my point being that when you have a family with a lot of kids, the room issue is always there. It's I know. always there, I know. and I can't imagine it wouldn't have in a real family. It wouldn't have come up. I know before. it's silly. Yes. So Mike's in his room, he, he just changed into that short-sleeved sweatshirt he always wears, and Greg comes in and asks Mike, uh, do you know Hank Carter? And uh, you think he's nice, right? And Mike, and Mike's like, yeah. And he's like, you know Hank's parents, the Carters, they're nice, right? And Mike, then he's like, I have an opportunity. You know, can't need someone to share expenses? And Mike just cuts him off and is like, no, you're not yeah. You're not moving out. He says you have to wait until you're old enough until you go to college. And Greg's like, you don't even know what I was going to say. And Mike's like, I know what you're going to say. And Mike says he sympathizes, but no, you no, you got to wait. And Greg's like, well, I can't stay and stay living with those two anymore. And Mike's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And then we're back up in the attic, and it's still full of junk. Like, they haven't done anything. Yeah, yet. they're just moving junk around and reminiscing. Um, Mike finds these long junk he says, he used when he was on a construction, the construction job up in Maine. Maine. Up in Maine, and it's like, wow, where Mike? Where were you? Up in Maine. This is one of the few episodes where the subplot actually ties in very well with the main plot. You know, it's not just kind of running on parallel lines with one or two, but it actually meshes very yes, well. Yes, it does. Um, one of the better things about this. I mean, this op- is a better episode. Yes, than it this. is. So Mike and Greg bring this chest thing downstairs and Marsha is looking around the attic while they're doing that. And she tells Carol, you know, the attic would be a great extra room. And Carol's like, yeah. And Marsha's like, I could fix it up. It'd be really cute. And Carol's like, okay. Well, actually, at first, Carol's a little reluctant and skeptical. And I'm like, it's weird how resistant she is to... Marsha having her own room, you would, again, you would think it would be kind of a no-brainer. I know. You know? A lot of unused space in that house. That's just weird. Yeah. Now, down in the driveway, Greg is asking Mike the same thing, and he says okay. oh well, Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Um, then Peter and Bobby come, and, um, Greg makes this big deal about telling them not to be upset, but he's mm-hmm. going to move into his own room, and they just shriek with joy. Yeah. And run off. And, and then Mike And, and I love the, Greg. I know, it's kind of weird, but I love, um, I the reaction and that. that. I liked it when, when Mike tickled Greg. Yeah, well, it's so another cute. kind of one of the it more natural, spontaneous, spontaneous yeah. thing, and, um, I feel like there's a lot of that in this yes, episode. it was. Yeah. Now the attic is suddenly empty of all the children. Yeah, and I'm like, wow, I wish they'd come clean up my I house. Know. Marcia and the girls are bringing stuff up. Jan and Cindy say they'll miss her. They don't want her to. And it's like, Really? Uh, really? Yeah. And also, I'm like, there's been no discussion between the genders. Nope. Of what's going on. All, the time frame of this is very short—a very, short, short. A very yes. short span. It's like within hours. Right. Then Marcia says um, they can come up anytime, but then she seems to regret it. When yeah. They're, they're like, "Yay, yay, yeah! It'll be just like we were never apart." Mm-hmm. Now, and the and doc- I also feel like they established Greg's privacy issues, and they didn't spend any time establishing Marcia's privacy issues. That's true. I'm just saying. Uh, well, they're in the downstairs hall, which, uh, again, confusing geography. But I can't. It's tell all as well. set up wrong. The bedrooms. In not going to dwell places. on that. The girls yes. go into the girls' room as the boys come out of the boys' room and, with Greg's stuff. And another thing about the scene that bugs me is everybody keeps closing the doors behind them, so other people, like even when they go up to the attic, and you don't do that. You would have them open. I right. Don't know so uh, they're up in the attic greg sees the boxes and he's like what is this i thought we got all the junk out of here and then they're like i don't know and then they go back downstairs and then the then Mar- oh greg's still up there marcia com- comes up you know she's like what are you doing up here he's like what are you marcia's like mom gave me this room and greg's like uh no it's my room and of course they have an, an argument and they both sit down on greg has a footlocker they both sit on it and they don't want to move the two of them are sitting on the footlocker and mike and carol are up there with them, and they both apologize and say we should have checked with each other. Yeah, and I think it's weird that until this moment, nobody knew what the other one was I doing. I know. And also, you look at that space, and it's huge. And I'm like, Mike's an architect. They can't D- divide, divide that into I know. two rooms. I know. Especially because um, Marsha was going to have her bed over here. And I know, I, here I, here I here thought the thing. same thing. Yeah. Mike says they need to stop arguing about it. And Greg's like, well, who's going to get the room? And Mike's like, well... Greg's the oldest, and he's going to be leaving first, so I think he should get it, and Carol's like, yeah, that, that, I agree with yeah, that, yes. and which is kind of the fair thing right. to do, and Mike says, it's the logical solution, and Marsha, of course, doesn't think so, she's pretty friggin' pissed, and her acting's pretty good, I thought, yes. she, yeah, it, I thought a lot of it she rang she gets pissed and runs out, yeah, in the foyer, Mike and Carol are going to the bazaar. Mm-hmm. Um, but Carol is concerned about how upset Marcia is. She's afraid they'll have a big blow-up. And I'm like, what is she... I hope there's no guns in the house. Yeah, really. like, What does she think is going to happen? I know. I, I'm like, like Marcia, a, lot, <laughs> they're 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 a lot more great. concerned than our parents would have been about the whole thing. That's for sure. So now we're in the girls room and Marcia's crying on her bed. And before we talk about I just want to say this... Moment. This scene is addressed in yeah. Barry Williams' book, Maureen um, McCormick. McCormick's book, and Lloyd Schwartz's book. And I'll just say what Lloyd apparently at this point Barry and Maureen were hot and heavy, and there was a lot of sexual tension. And Lloyd Schwartz claims he had to film this twelve takes of the scene because they, they were too close, sitting next to each other on the bed, and there was so much sexual tension. And But yet nobody else apparently could figure out why he kept filming it. And finally, he told Barry Williams it made more sense for him to have his arm on the um, bed between them when they were sitting there on the bed. I don't think he told Barry why. And he said that establishment of space made the... But um, apparently they were so hot for each other that it was coming through on the camera, which I looked for that because they had all I had read that and I didn't really know. Well, that's because Lloyd had the miraculous having Greg put his arm that I guess cooled everything down. So they say. So he said, yeah. So Mark Greg knocks on Marsha, tells him to go away. He says, well, let me see you or something. And so she opens the door and then slams it in the face. Sp- but then she lets him in. He has a record album that she left up there, which like what he couldn't give it to her some other time. Right, like he had to see. Um, her. He says he knows how she feels, but he thinks that the decision to give it to him was fair. And she's like, of course you think it's fair because you won. Yeah. And then she starts crying. So Greg's like, Okay, I'm you know, I'm gonna be leaving sooner than you. I'll you can have the room. He was very nice yes. to do that. And her crying and everything was very uh genuine. Yeah, like the that. whole scene felt genuine. Yeah, she was to very me. good. Another good scene there. And then they she hugs him at the mm-hmm. end. But not that wasn't But oh, not in a sexy no. way. Now we're back in the boy <laughs> the boys you and Peter and Bobby Peter's like, Greg's gone. Let's move our stuff around. And, and then Greg comes in and is like, um, no, I gave the room to Marsha. you got to help me move all my shit back downstairs. And I don't know why the boys are helping him. I He's been just like, making them. You know, um, family dynamic. And now Jan and Cindy are bringing Marcia's stuff up. And also, what's with the kerchiefs over the hair? I don't know. That was the 70s. Yeah. Um, Alice Oh, is, wait, I never did that. Alice is very confused. Yeah. I thought there's a picture of you with a kerchief on, don't you? Maybe, but every time you do something cleany or houseworky, no. you don't put a kerchief no on I your don't. head. Yeah. Back in the boys' room, Bobby starts fake crying and says, That's how Marcia got her way. Bobby says they should tell Marcia what a paint it is going up and down the stairs. And Peter's like, "Yeah, that's a good idea." Mm-hmm. So Marcia is already up in her new room, and I would have painted first. Me too. Yeah, but she's brushing her hair. Peter calls her to the phone, so she goes all the way downstairs because they don't—they're probably not allowed to use the phone in their parents' room. Yes, and. If there is one. And I just, I I was trying to remember that. But I want to say, too, Liz and I were on the third floor of our house in Augusta for an entire teen years. And having to go all the way downstairs for the phone was never a problem. I know. It's not a big deal. And it only takes her like 30 seconds or less. She gets all the way down to the living room, but no one's on the phone. And I'm like, somebody hung up there. And she's like, who was it? And I think it was her friend Linda or whatever. No, Linda's the third one. Uh, This was um, Katie 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 or one of them. Susie, one or the other. So then she goes all the way back up. The phone rings again, and Peter answers, and he's like, thanks, Charlie. And then Bobby is upstairs, and he tells Marsha, oh, uh, the phone again, it's the phone for you again. It's Linda or whatever, and then she goes all the way down there, and it, it, no one's on the phone again. Then she goes all the way. And I found the scene tedious. It was tedious. And then the third time, she's down there already with nobody on the phone, and the phone rings. It and I like Linda. too, why didn't she call, just call him back. one of them? Did yeah. you just call me? Yes, you know. so that's what I would have done. So this time... The phone rings, and it actually is Linda, and her and Katie are studying together. Mm-hmm. And no, they didn't just call And Peter's her. like, oh, I gotta get out of here. Uh. And Marsha figures the plan out, because they are always doing something. Oh. So we're in the boys' room now, and Marsha is accusing Greg of doing this. And hmm. and I'm like, Peter and Bobby were the ones calling her to, uh, to the phone. Yeah, but they do whatever Greg says. Oh. And Greg's like, why the hell would I give you the room and then, Yeah, you know. good point. And Peter and Bobby fess up. So Marsha's like, well, you know, Greg, you really should have it. So then they switch all the stuff again. And luckily they don't have a lot of stuff, I guess. I mean, they were sharing the room with two other people, so they probably don't right. have... So they did all this in the course of one evening. Yes. Apparently. Yeah. Mike and Carol are back from the bazaar. Carol was worried. About what might have happened while she was gone, like may, maybe she expected the whole family to be slaughtered or something. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. me on fire. Yeah, um, but they check. The three girls are sleeping in their beds. They check on the boys. They and see that the, go their to the attic. are separated. They even go up and check on Greg. And I'm like, Greg's got to get a lock for that door. No shit. I'm glad there was no trouble. And then the tag. Cindy's writing on that chalkboard in the kitchen, 1973, 74, 75. She tells Alice it's awful. She figures out she won't get the room until almost the year 2000. Mm, Which, I guess she's not good at math. But the other point is, Cindy's the youngest of six. In a couple years, it's going to be a mood issue. Because she's going to have her own room anyway. No shit. You know, like our youngest sister did. Yeah. She had the whole house to herself. More or less. Life. Yeah. What do you want? Do you want to be the youngest? Right. No. (laughs) So that was the end of that. And I thought that was a better one of the better episodes. Yes, I like that. The subplot tied in with the plot. There were some tedious scenes, but it flowed well. There wasn't a lot of. Like, people were natural, and the reactions were natural, and the conclusions were natural. And I like the fact that the kids worked it out. Yes. You know, and... They worked it out. Right. And there wasn't a lot of mind games. We're seeing a lot less mind games. Oh, I was going to say, so that going up and down the stairs thing, that would have had to be something that they would have had to do over, like, weeks for it to really help work. right. It's not like the first night she does it, she's going to be like, oh, I don't want to be in this and room And it is anymore. stupid. Like, she could just call... I would have just called my friend back and been mm-hmm. like... You know, right. And been like, you know, my room's up in the... Oh, because and the, the other, other self- thing is her friends knew about it because remember, she, when she, one of the things that she said that when she was crying, that she's like, I had planned a party right, for a slumber my party. friends right. in my new room. Right. So, you know, right. you'd call back Linda and be like, hey, don't be mm-hmm. so impatient because it takes me a while to get down the stairs. Right. And, right. Or something. And, right? But it's good like, that's not what made... I like the fact that that's not what made her change her mind when she was talking to Greg when Greg said, why would I give it to you in the first place and then do that, blah, blah, blah. She kind of came around and said, you know, I was being selfish and you deserve the room. Yes. And and so I thought that was good. And that's the end of season four. I can't believe it. Season five coming up. And... If you um, are dying to hear our voices before our next episode comes out, you can always Friends listen to Crime and Stuff. and Stuff, our other podcast. Yes. So until then, stay groovy. And thanks for listening. Watched every episode of the Property Brothers. Wow. And um, I didn't mean to. It just. You know, I have an issue with the Property Brothers, but um, they're nice. I know they're very nice. I just find them. They're not real. Weird. That's because they're actors. Like they have that very carefully groomed because that stubble. They're not real, but it just seems fakeish. What do you mean they're not real? They're not really. Uh, I mean, they are kind of a real. They are kind of a real estate agent in, in the contractor, but they also started out as actors, right? So they're not. Like, they're kind of playing. My the issue roles. isn't with their legitimacy. Because nothing on reality t v is legitimate my I just find them odd and strange i I find them like kind of affected, yes, I know they're Canadian, but <laughs> like the stubble and I don't know oh, yes, the shapes understand. of their heads. I understand what I you're can't. saying, but yeah. it's not their fault. That's just the I way know, they are. I know, I know it is. But in any case, and we can... I understand what you're saying. But if I got used, and to I'm them. sure they and were both gay until they them. got married. No, only one's married. The what, other one broke up. Yeah.